Blog Talk Radio. Patriots have the ball, first and 10, on the New England 47. So you can listen to the best in pro wrestling talk. We'll give you some football updates while we're here because we're a multifaceted organization. But tonight, we're going to be talking about Monday Night Raw, the best moments ever. Uh, Raw turns 25 years old. Uh, Amazing, remembering back to when Raw first started many, many moons ago. Um, and, and WWE had their special, the top 25 moments in Raw history. We're going to give some of our top moments. We're going to give our top five. We're going to discuss these moments here. If you got moments, you got moments, we want to hear your moments. Give us a call, 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We want to hear your thoughts on Monday Night Raw, your thoughts on the past 25 years of Monday Night Raw. Head on over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, it's facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. There's a show chat on the page right now. And also, there's a poll, a poll question. Since we're going through the top moments of Monday Night Raw history, there's a poll question on which is the top moment of Monday Night Raw, Austin and his beer truck, or when The Rock challenged Hollywood Hulk Hogan to about at WrestleMania. There are two options there. Why, you ask? Because Facebook only allowed for two options in that poll. So those are the two options I decided to put up there. If you'd like to throw in your own suggestions, put it in the comments. But right now, we're going to reveal the the winner at the end of the show. It could be per comments. So if your moment is not listed there, by all means, put it in the comments. But right now, on the poll, Rock Challenging Hollywood Hogan is up 71% to 29%. Let's see if that trend continues. If you do the Twitter thing, that's your bag. Check us out on Twitter. Our handle is at The Ken Reedy Show on Twitter. And you can check us out on our website, thekenreedyshow.com. You can listen to us there. Check out our blogs, our pictures, all sorts of great stuff on The Ken Reedy Show. 
Facebook.com next next week. What's it next Wednesday? Next week, Rumble Sunday. We're gonna be on from four to six, four to six p.m. Get you set for Monday Night Raw. Changing up the times a little bit, so four to six p.m. And again, you know, I know football is a big thing. We're gonna do something on Super Bowl Super Bowl weekend. Don't exactly know what we're gonna do. We gotta flesh it out. Maybe just gotta see who's gonna be in the Super Bowl and if any of us feel like watching it. But we're gonna do something that weekend. We're gonna throw a show in somewhere, sometime. Um, probably a themed episode. Still kind of flesh it all out. So we'll see what we're gonna do there. But that'll be in two weeks. Next week for Rumble Sunday, four to six p.m. Get you set for Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw, the Royal Rumble. I got Raw <laughs> on the brain. Get you set for the Royal Rumble. And uh, if you're listening to us pre-recorded, you're listening to us on the B Plus Players Radio Network, the brainchild of the one and only Mark Adam Haggerty. Check out all the great shows on there, The Outsiders, Edge, lots of great stuff over there on B Plus Players. Check it out. And without further ado, 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 let's get this show underway. As all the way from Connecticut, kind of feel a little bit under the weather this week, but Trooping it out, getting on board, tough as nails, my tag team partner on the line. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Uh, Ken, I've had better days, I'll tell you that. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely trooping it out. Dedication for this show and talking pro wrestling, and that's why I'm here. Um, I want to apologize to our listeners for how I sound. If I may come across very sick, it's because I am, like Ken said. So uh, I want to apologize ahead of time for, for those of you that are listening and my performance or what my performance may be because of my, my, uh, my, my illness. But I'm here. I'm ready to talk 25 years of Raw. It's a big, exciting time in WWE and just in wrestling in general. And, uh, you know, yeah, let's, let, let, you know, let's get into it. But let's introduce our, our, our other guest. Exactly. We also have Rocky Santiago, independent wrestling sensation, is also in studio tonight. Rocky, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Ken, Dave. It's uh, exciting to go over these great moments in Raw history, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, going over some awesome memories of a pretty awesome show. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible when you think about um, Raw and how long it's been on and and what it means to, you know, it's it's amazing because mainstream media doesn't uh, doesn't really cover wrestling the way they should. You know, Raw... Um, doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. And there's a lot of stuff that we can get into with, with Monday Night Raw. And before we get into the history of it and, and lots of stuff to talk about, um, we, we got to hit current events. We got to hit to, you know what's going on. Um, and this involves Monday Night Raw, Intercontinental Champion Roman Reigns, uh, tied to a steroid scandal. And, uh, you know, it's amazing with steroids because in, in sports and steroids, um, it's, you know, the media and powers that be are all about competitive balance. We can't have, can't have our athletes taking steroids for competitive balance. When it's predetermined, who the hell cares? Like, I, I honestly have, I don't care, you know, aside from health and, 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 and that aspect, and I don't want to see anyone get hurt, but as, as a fan, like, I don't look at Roman Reigns and like, oh, he's Jack Ball, but he's juicing, so I hate him, spend him. I don't care. But anyway, it's a buzzword. You know, the media is going to, you know, the media doesn't give Raw the, the positive attention it should get for being the longest running episodic television show in history. But it'll definitely jump all over if there's even a hint 
of a wrestler doing something he's not supposed to do. So as soon as there's a link, dirt sheets jumping all over it. It's everywhere. You know, is this news? Is this just some sort of smokescreen? Dave, you're the news guy. You always follow every angle on every story that, that, that pops. What are you hearing the latest as far as Roman Reigns possibly being tied to, to this steroid ring? Well, I'll give you the ins and outs on this story. Um, there's a, a filmmaker by the name of John Bravo, and he is making a documentary about a, the owner of a wellness fitness nutrition center in Miami that was raided by the DEA. This individual who owns this company is by the name of uh, Richard Rodriguez. And this soundbite that came out uh, named not only Roman Reigns, but actor Josh Duhamel and Mark Wahlberg um, as being clients of his. Um, and this interview took place over the phone while he was in a detention center in Brooklyn, New York. Um, so I find all of these facts a little bit interesting. He's, it, to me, I look at it like this. He's a jailhouse snitch. He, he took a plea deal so that he can get a lighter sentence, and he starts name-dropping people who may or may not be involved in this. Now, nothing's been proven as of yet, but I, w- I want to give credit to, to Roman Reigns himself. He's jumped right out in front of this, and he's made it very clear. I don't know who this person is. I've never been a part of anything like this. I learned my lesson two years ago when I violated the wellness policy, and ever since then I've passed 11 WWE-sanctioned drug tests since my suspension in 2016. So um, as of right now, from what I'm hearing, the DEA, who raided this organization last year, they are not looking into the customers or the clients per se of uh, this wellness fitness nutrition center in Miami. Um, they're looking for more or less the distributor. And, and this uh, Rodriguez individual is the distributor. Apparently he distributed over $10 million worth of anabolic steroids for several years. And uh, he got caught. And then when he got caught, he just decided to name drop a few people. I will say this couldn't come at a worse time for WWE considering they're celebrating the 25th anniversary of raw. It is WrestleMania season. Roman Reigns is in the middle of a, of a, a, a big push, and he, it looks like they're figuring him into the, the, the main event plans for WrestleMania um, in April. So this couldn't come at a worse time, but judging by what I've been following the last week or so, I wouldn't say the story has died down, but it's not getting as much steam as many people thought it would be, as, as many people thought it would, um, basically because Reigns has kind of come out in front of this and basically said, I got no part of this whatsoever. So... That's where I see the story story going right now. Um, I really, I mean, let's be honest here. In the past, when it's come to top names that WWE has had under contract that have violated the drug program, let's say Brock Lesnar, for instance, um, they didn't suspend him when he when he tested positive for performance enhancing drugs after his UFC fight. So I, I even if it was true that Reigns was linked to this. I would have found it hard to believe that he would have gotten a heavy punishment. But the whole internet, the internet wrestling community, all the, the, the dirt sheets out there were calling for Roman Reigns' head when it wasn't even proven if he was a part of this or not. So um, as of now, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen. But you never know. Only time will tell. And it's interesting. And it's a shame also because, like, a lot of the, the heat you feel like is, is self-serving. It's, you know, if uh... – you know, if, if Finn Balor was, was the guy linked to it, the internet wrestling community wouldn't be calling for his head. But, you know, it's, it's the, the fans that kind of hate on Roman Reigns are, are kind of causing this heat. And, uh, again, like, you know, like Mark Wahlberg. 
I mean, does, does anyone care if he's like like when he bulked up for uh, the movie with The Rock, and I'm forgetting the name of it. Pain and Gain. Do you remember Dave? I do not. Pain and Gain. What was that? Pain and Gain, I think. Pain and Gain. Thank you. Pain and Gains. Um, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, like, you know, I, I tend to think, in all honesty, like, there's a lot of shit that goes on in Hollywood that, you know, and, and I don't care. Like, I, I honestly don't care. Like, when you when you see all of a sudden, like, you know, like, guys bulk up for a role, and it's like, oh, well, let, let's look at their work up, workout plan. Bullshit. Like, <laughs> but I, it's like, I'm fine with that. It's a movie. It's, it's like, if you needed to, to take some... I mean, the vilification of steroids and performance enhancers, it, it's silly, in all honesty. Like, if, if most of these drugs, if they're taking, taken under a doctor's supervision, administered correctly, where you know if you're a multi-million dollar actor, athlete, that you're probably having it administered the correct way, that there's, there's insane benefits to take. They've been vilified by the media. So it's, it's insane when this becomes a story. Like, if, if Mark Wahlberg... The, the only the only thing that I'm mad at is like can Mark Wahlberg actually release exactly what he's taking, so I can take the same thing. That that's what I would want. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I'm, I'm glad you said that, Dave, because to me, you know, you, you hear this stuff, you read it, you, you try to follow up. It, it seemed like a non-story to me. Um, I hope it doesn't gain any steam because I, w- I mean I like Rome. I mean I think all of us here kind of dig Roman Reigns. Um, we recognize. His shortcomings, but he's not nearly as, as bad as, as some of the internet wrestling community likes to uh, say that he is. And honestly, I, he's a star, and he's, he's going to be in the WWE plans for a long period to come. And honestly, like most of the roster, when you're heading into WrestleMania season, I want to see everyone stay healthy. I don't want to see any suspensions. I want to see, you know, creative has had some, let's just say, hiccups enough in the past that, like, let's let's not throw – any any wrenches in the works, it's going to cause like some storytelling to get even more wonky. So I, I hope this is just a, a non-story. And with that being said, let's get into let's get into more positive stuff. Let's get into Monday Night Raw and um, what what it means historically. Uh, you know everything involved. We share some of our memories. I'm curious, Rob. Do you remember the first Monday Night Raw you ever went to? The first Monday Night Raw I ever went to. Uh, been so freaking long. Um, I, I think I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm not sure I've actually been aside from the Raw after WrestleMania. It, it would probably be that first uh, that that first WrestleMania in, I went to in Dallas that we went to the Raw right after that. That was probably my first Raw. I have been to house shows, but uh, aside from those Raw shows right after WrestleMania had not been to a Raw until then, till Dallas. That's amazing. So, like, your, your first perception of Monday Night Raw is is a pretty big spectacle and, and, and a pretty hot crowd. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the crowd was electric. And, and sure, at, at that point, they were really trying to emulate the, the heat from the previous year that the crowd was just going nuts. But still, you know, Dallas, but, you know, Texas by itself is going to be a hot crowd for wrestling. So, uh, make no mistake, the the Raw after WrestleMania was going to be big, and it was an interesting thing to be a part of. How about you, Dave? Do you remember your first Monday Night Raw? Uh, yes, I do. It was um, I was in high school. It was uh, April. I just actually I just watched it recently, just to kind of prepare for 
for, for tonight's show. Uh, April 26, 1999, it was the night after the Backlash pay-per-view, and it was the night that The Undertaker and the Ministry of Darkness kidnapped Stephanie McMahon and held her hostage, and Stone Cold Steve Austin saved her at the end of the night. Um, I just remember, we had my buddies and I in high school, we had nosebleed seats. Um, I didn't care, though. I wanted to be there. Um, it was my first uh, television event I had ever gone to. I'd gone to a lot of house shows prior to that, but I'd never gone to see WWE, WWF at the time, television. And uh, I just remember, like, how pumped I was. Um, so I was a big fan of The Rock, and The Rock had just dumped the corporation because they cost him the title the night before. Um, and then the whole thing with Austin and the ministry and Austin saving Stephanie. Um, looking back on it, it was a, it was, it was a horribly – in ring, it was horrible. The, the, the action sucked, um, you know, during the Attitude Era. But, uh, you know, the storylines were very compelling. And I just remember when Austin came out and he saved Stephanie, the place just lit up. It was just unbelievable. You couldn't even hear yourself think. It was just, it, was, it was so cool to be a part of. See, it's funny. And, and, like, from my mind's eye, I don't really remember a lot a lot of specifics. At the fir- I was at the first Raw. I was wow. at the first Raw. And and the weird thing about it, which is amazing to me, looking at it now, like 25 years later, like, we really didn't see it as a big deal. Um, I remember, uh, some, and actually just to let you guys know, Jaguars just scored again. It is 20 to 10 uh, Jaguars in front of the New England Patriots. Um, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Which is like, and as a sidebar, and Dave and I were talking about this beforehand. Like, I mean, I'm so rooting for not not for team specific, but to me, Patriots versus Vikings. To me, that that's the the ultimate heel versus face. That is <laughs> the Hogan Andre of the football world. That's good because I just think I like the the whole storytelling of, of that. But uh, and it's the Jaguars versus the Eagles. I I have no, I don't care at all. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, I remember my buddy Todd, Todd Evans. Shout out to to you, um, who um, that's my dog chiming in. Um, yeah, that uh, Todd actually, uh, you know, again pre-internet. Uh, you know, it's uh, I don't even know how the hell we got information back then. Like, I think uh, you know, it's uh, like a carrier pigeon like dropped something off at his house. But what I remember him saying like. Oh, the, the WWF is going to do a weekly live show. You can go every week, you know. And I remember me and my buddy Jim being like, "Not really, really? They're like live every week?" Because up until then, like it was, you know, you you, you saw things like primetime wrestling, where you, you'd see things on TV where it was recorded matches from different shows and different stuff. And you know, now it was like there was going to be this weekly live show, and it was like, "Wow, that that's pretty cool." Again, not thinking it's anything historical, anything that's a big deal in the business. And uh, yeah, I should have, I should go back and watch the whole episode, but I did do some research and I was looking up the, uh, the, the show and it was like Yoko Zuno defeated Coco Beware. I uh, had the Steiner brothers going over the executioners. Uh, you had the undertaker beating Damien Demento. Um, so, you know, like when, when I was like looking up stuff from this episode, I'm like, it really wasn't a good show. <laughs> it's amazing that 25 years later we're, we're looking at this, but um, I remember like being there and, and, and the crowd being kind of hot, um, you know, nothing compared to like when we got into the attitude era and what, what crowds were like then. But, um, but it was just something that like, 
hey, let's go to a wrestling show. It really wasn't, you know, I'd love to sit here and, and like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're at, like, Monday Night Raw and we're blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like that. It wasn't uh, any sort of big deal for us. And it's, it's amazing, like, looking back and thinking, wow, like, it's, it's this show that, you know, if you want to get drunk tomorrow night, like, drink every time Michael Cole says, the longest-running episodic show in TV history. And, and just to give you guys an update, I don't know what happened, but the Patriots should have the ball, and Jacksonville has the ball again at their own 33. So wow. there may be a turnover or something, but it looks like the Patriots might be imploding. Um, I'm just – I'm kind of just watching the updates here on the uh, the old computer, but uh, just to give you guys another update. So, yeah, I, and, and, and since then, it's, it's just been um, an interesting ride going to, to multiple Monday Night Raws and uh, – What's been intriguing to me is how Raw, how the Raw after WrestleMania has gone from being I can't wait to go to being, yeah, I can miss that one. Like, I'll find another. <laughs> um, I guess what's intriguing, and, and we'll, we'll talk about moments, uh, you know, as we go through them. But when I look back on, on great moments of Monday Night Raw, when I look at, like, the crowd taking over, I, I look at moments like when Hulk Hogan uh, after WrestleMania 18 and the crowd was just electric cheering for him, and it was tough for him to start his promo. I, I look at when Triple H made his return at the Garden, and the crowd was like, I mean, you, you, watching it on TV, you felt like the, the roof was going to come off it. And, and to me as a fan, that's when, like, a crowd taking over is, like, amazing, and it's organic, and it's something really cool. Not, go, not humming the Fandango theme. That's not, like, that's, <laughs> that's not... Like where I'm like, oh, that 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 crowd was awesome. That's kind of one of those. Eh. So it, it, I, it's been interesting to see the evolution of how the Raw after WrestleMania for me as a fan has been a like a must go to to a yeah, let's go to Disney. <laughs> we don't need to. And um, so it's intriguing, but it's still a show that like you know if it's in, if it's in town, I can make it. Uh, going to a, a live Raw is definitely awesome. Um, and it's amazing when you look back on, on the history of wrestling and the evolution and how Raw Raw evolved, you know, in, in, when, it's, when it was at its best, you know, as, as a, an older fan, Raw was like a weekly almost pay-per-view. Like the spectacle level of like pay-per-views was all of a sudden happening on, on a weekly basis. And it was definitely, especially when they started adding the py- pyrotechnics. Um, I wish I could remember the first Raw I went to where there was pyro. Um, I think it was in the garden. I couldn't tell you a date, but I do remember like, it's something else when, when you go to raw and that pyro starts that like, it's a very visceral testosterone driven, you know, it's like, you can't help but stand up and scream. So um, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows over the years. There's been some great episodes. There's been some bad episodes. Um, but 25 years later, Raw is still here. And, uh, you know, we got the top 25 moments uh, based on the WWE universe and um, what they picked and what they voted for and, and all that good stuff. And um, we're going to get into our top five moments um, a piece. But uh, I think it would be cool to, to go into some of the, the moments that, that didn't make our, our top five. And, uh I'm going to throw one out that, that's really interesting because uh, pretty damn high up on the WWE list. But for my top five, the beer truck did not make my top five. It did not crack my top five. It's on our Facebook poll. 
Um, and, and for reasons I'll get into when I hit my top five, but uh, great moments. Um, and when I look at moments, like there's stuff that, that that's kind of why it made it into my honorable mention category, because uh, it was a significant moment. It was a really fun moment, uh, an era where it seemed like every week, whether it was a beer truck or a monster truck or, or a limo or a Jeep or uh, an ATV or something like there's always going to, there's some sort of vehicle coming by Monday night raw. Um, the beer truck did not make my list. Another one that didn't make my list. Uh, and I really, I wanted to cram this into my top five, but I didn't, but I, I had to put this in my honorable mention, Bobby Heenan, the first Monday night raw trying to sneak in. Um, you know, I kept thinking like, can I, can I put this into my top five and then, like my bias, like wanna I mean, I gotta put it at number one. Um, you know, rest in peace, Bobby Heenan. Uh, but that did not make my top five, but I thought it was something that needed to at least be acknowledged on tonight's show. Dave, what are some of the the things that didn't make your top five? Well, when I was going through my you know, my top five and I was trying to compile it, I was trying to separate moments that impacted the show and I tried to take away moments that personally impacted me and I, I, the moments that personally impacted me, I think were the moments that, that were the ones that didn't make my top five, like the raws that I've attended. So like, for instance, you, you brought it up earlier, the wrestle, the night after WrestleMania Monday night raws, you know, there's a few moments from, from a few of those raws where, um, you know, that, that I was, toying with throwing one of them in the top five, but I didn't. Like, for instance, you know, you brought up the night that the whole Fandangoing and thing. That, I agree with you. It was total bullshit. I hated it. But what came out of that night for me was when Dolph Ziggler cashed in the money in the bank. People were dying for Dolph Ziggler to cash in his money in the bank and become the world champion. The whole stadium the night before at WrestleMania was chanting Dolph's name during the world title match with Del Rio and and, uh, Jack Swagger. And then it finally came, and I've never been in a building where it's been so loud. I mean, that's probably the loudest pop I've ever heard in, in, in a wrestling arena um, in all the years I've gone to wrestling events. Um, and right up there is the year before when Brock Lesnar returned the night after WrestleMania 28 to, uh, to confront John Cena. Another huge pop. Nobody saw that coming. Um, that's the moment that I was toying with throwing in my top five. Um, and then even the year before that, when Cena and The Rock made the main event for WrestleMania for the following year. Um, I, I mean, you and I have talked about it on the show before. You texted me as they were shaking hands live on the air. You're like, looks like we're going to Miami next year. I mean, those were <laughs> moments for me. Those were moments for me personally where I was like, this is so cool to be a part of. Like, I, 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 did, I tried not to take the personal moments and put them in the, the, the top five because the top five I felt like those moments had to be something that impacted the show overall and not just me. So, with that being said, those are some moments for me that didn't crack the top five. I mean, we can talk, you know, Eric Bischoff not, you know, or Eric Bischoff returning to WWE as the Raw GM. Or, uh, you know, you could talk about, like, Hogan and Rock. Hogan and Rock, the, the, the challenge for WrestleMania, that was another moment that I thought about. That Maybe that should make the top five because I was a huge Rock fan. I grew up on Hogan. Two worlds colliding, it was like, oh, my God, we're going to see something that we never thought we were going to see. Like the Babe Ruth of, of, of professional wrestling against, you know, the Barry Bonds of professional wrestling at the time, The Rock. So those are just some of the moments. And I could probably list off a whole bunch more, but just those are a few that come to mind for me that didn't crack my top five. Interesting. How about you, Rock? Any of the 
big moments that you looked at that maybe would have cracked it but didn't make your top five? Yeah, well, uh, like Dave said, there are plenty of moments that uh, you know that can vie for those top five spots. And I'm going to go over one one moment that it was hard for me not putting in my top five, and another one that wasn't even going to be close. Like the one the one moment for me that didn't make it in my top five that it kind of breaks my heart that it doesn't is as you were talking about Ken uh, the return of Triple H uh, after that injury because like you said even through the television I I don't care if that TV was across the room you almost felt you were like sucked in for the reaction I don't think anyone expected you know sure you know Triple H was going to get a reaction but to get that kind of reaction that you just had to stand there and take it all in. That was an intense moment. And, and, and one of the, that's the job, but one of the things I like about that moment, which, which, you know, I do have a problem with, with crowds nowadays is, is that moment was so special and it didn't make my top five either, but it was like, they both fed off each other. Like the crowd went nuts and, and you, you almost got the feeling that triple H did not have a clue. The crowd was going to be that pumped for him. And the louder they got, the intensity on Triple H's face and how pumped he was walking down in that ring. Like, you could tell that he was like, you know, I know Hogan was famous for like, oh, my Hulkamaniacs. And whatever, but like, you could almost tell that the energy that the crowd was, was throwing at Triple H, he was literally absorbing and getting more pumped. And the more pumped he got, the louder the crowd was getting. And it was one of those, like, it really was one of those moments that you're sitting in your living room and you're getting goosebumps watching like, the flash bulbs are going nuts. Triple H is going crazy. The crowd is getting louder and louder, like almost where like the speakers of your TV are vibrating because it was just a, such an incredible moment that, again, that's when I, I love seeing wrestling when it's like the crowd and the show are, are working together for like a moment as opposed to kind of fighting each other. And it was a great moment, but again, didn't make my top five either. Yeah. And, and, another, and this other moment that I – that I bring up is because obviously with, with Raw's anniversary show coming up, there's been chatter on the internet and going over Raw moments. But one moment that did not even come close to my top five was the pipe bomb. Uh, CM Punk making a stupid, you know. <laughs> and, and, and look, maybe this, is, maybe this is putting out too much hate there, but I wasn't, I, I was a CM Punk fan to an extent, as in I respected what he did in the ring. I thought he was he did good in the ring. Towards the end of his run, I found he became more lackluster. But especially in hindsight, when you think of how CM Punk turned out, how he made his exit, to me it, it, it cheapened that moment. Not that that moment was that intense. You know, sure, at, at the time he said stuff that people never would think that someone would, on, would say on uh, okay, granted. But especially after the way he exited, it, it just cheapened the moment so much. It's just like, oh, God. Like, I, if I hear another IWC, you know, discussion about how CM Punk was the greatest and how that moment was so tops, like, I, I just want to reach to my computer and choke someone. <laughs> and it's funny because maybe CM Punk was kind of uh, – because that didn't make my top five either. And, and a lot of – a lot of, but a lot of, you know, it might be something that, like for, for us, and maybe it's unfair, like judged on how – the future happened after that. I always kind of looked at CM Punk as not an all-time great on the mic, a guy who's very good on the microphone, who looked great because he was in an era where a lot of guys weren't cutting great promos. Um, I thought that was a very good promo. Um, however, I agree with you. Like, like what happened after that kind of like leaves me flat when you look at 
how the rest of CM Punk's career went in the WWE. Um, and maybe that's unfair. Uh, but a lot of the stuff that, that I looked at were things like to me that the pipe bomb was a good promo. Like that's all it was. Um, so I, when I went into my top five, a lot of my top five were um, things that may have changed the business historically, um, things that were, were moments that like I'd never seen before, uh, things that struck me as, as, as very unique. So when I, when I tried to look at like my top five and I did think of the pipe bomb, but to me, like the pipe bomb was a good promo. Like, and I'm not saying it was a shitty promo. It was a good promo. Yeah. Um, but, but I, you know, there, there've been a lot of good promos over the course of 25 years of Monday night raw. And I wasn't going to take something that was just a promo and put it in my top five. And so like, you know, we, we, we talked about the stuff that didn't make the top five and um, you know, I'm sure as we go through it, like we'll probably have stuff in our top five, each of our top fives um, that they didn't make others. And just so you guys know, listening, and this is why this is going to be kind of an organic, uh, very organic conversation because myself, Rock, and Dave, we all devised our, our uh, lists independently. We have no idea who is what moments are on any of our lists, and we don't know what what placement they are. So um, we may disagree a lot, we may agree a lot, we we may storm out of the studio. We have no idea what's going to happen tonight. And just you guys who are Thank you for listening to the show live tonight. You want to give us a call in your raw moments, 347-838-9815. The Patriots have just scored a touchdown with 844 left in the fourth quarter. Jaguars are up 20 to 17. The Patriots are now going to go for their four-point conversion because the refs said they're allowed to do that. (laughs) Anyway, let's get to the top five. So coming in number five on my list was something, and, and I'll be honest, a lot of the stuff on my top five, is not recent history. And maybe that's because I'm old. Uh, maybe it's because the product's not as good. I don't know. Um, but one five, number five on my list is, is a fairly recent event. It, it's something that, again, um, unlike anything I had ever seen before, um, and, and perhaps it, it wound up being a detriment, uh, making fans think that they uh, have a voice. And maybe we shouldn't have done that. Um, but I'm talking about Daniel Bryan's Occupy Raw. Um, that was something that uh, not the biggest Daniel Bryan fan here. I uh, respect what he can do. Uh, respect his, story, his storytelling ability. However, um, I'm not the biggest fan. And yet I got caught up in the Occupy Raw, uh, the, the fans taking up the ring. And, and honestly, like, I know fans want to think that they, like, they did take over. It, it was a work. Hate to break it to you guys. It was a work. Um, but it was something that was that was really cool. It was unique. It was something that uh, made you think that, like, oh, my God, look, they're taking over the ring. Um, you know, Triple H sold it to the hilt. Get out of my ring. Um, I, I just thought it, it was put together. Like, everything about that segment was put together well. Daniel Bryan was the perfect casting as far as the little engine that could, the guy that was going to have to take down the big bad authority. Everything about that story was, was well done. It's a shame what's happened to Daniel Bryan since then with the injuries and everything. But when you look at pure storytelling, and I remember when, when you know, we did right on this show, 
one of our callers called in and was was mad when Randy Orton uh, cashed in and, and beat Daniel Bryan for his title at, at SummerSlam the year before. And I remember saying that he was so pissed. He was, you know, your typical kind of, you know, internet fan, like, ah, I was like, if this leads to Daniel Bryant winning the title at WrestleMania, are you okay with that? He was like, well, yeah, I guess, but the WWE's never going to do that. And, and, <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. I, I, you know, we, 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 we get on creative a lot. We, we criticize, and, and, and most of the time, rightfully so. However, in this instant, in the story that was told with Daniel Bryan, I, I thought it was massively done for the most part, climaxing at WrestleMania 30 with this man going against all odds and, and coming away champion. So that's why Occupy Raw comes in at number five for me. Dave, what's five on your list? Number five for me, you know, it's funny. I, I almost put that in my top five. I was really toying with that and a few others, and I'm, and I'm glad that you brought that up, and I want to briefly touch upon it. I, like you, I got caught up in it. For once, I wasn't a fan that was trying to overanalyze the product in hopes that, that, that creatively it was going to go in a certain direction. It, I, was, I was caught up as a Daniel Bryan fan. I am a Daniel Bryan fan, I will say. I am a fan of his work, and I, I don't think the sun rises and sets with him, but I am a fan of his work, and I – was so happy when that moment took place and how it was produced and everything. And so I'm glad you brought that up, but my number five on this, on on my top five, I'm going to go with Brian Pillman got a gun from November of 1996. (laughs) I mean, when, when I go back and I watched that, I watched a lot of these raw moments to to kind of figure out my list, but um, going back, I remember watching that evening and, you know, I'd watched wrestling. You know, I was a young kid at the time. I watched wrestling for a long time before that. And uh, I remember when he pulled the gun out, I was like, oh, my God, this is nothing like I've ever seen. I didn't know what to make of it. Um, and it was just I, – I couldn't – I didn't really have, like, an excitement, like, you know, excited feeling or – I didn't know – I didn't really have any kind of feelings towards the situation um, when it was occurring. It was what took place over the weekend after Raw when they had that show Livewire, um, which it was like that live call-in show where they had like a couple of the guys in the studio. They'd recap the week, and you know people would call in, and they had Vince in the studio, and Vince was portrayed as the owner of the World Wrestling Federation, and they had parents calling in, and you know this used to be a fun program that my kids could watch. Now you got people shooting each other with guns and all this and. And the, the gravity of that just, like, got me. And I was like, th- that was the moment right there that, like, totally changed the game, I think, for Monday Night Raw. Goldust was teasing it for a long time. But Brian Pillman pulls out a gun, and he's going to shoot Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin's head off in his own home. To me, I was like, holy cow, like, wrestling is changing. And, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know what to make of it at that time, but it, it was just a huge moment that, like, I think – doesn't get recognized enough for how the direction of the business changed. That's a good moment, you know, and, it, and the thing is, and that's why this conversation is going to be fun because it's 25 years. So there's going to be like, and look, we don't do this for a living. I'd love to, but we, we all have full-time jobs. Also none of us on this show had the time to analyze like every single big moment uh, of the past 25 years. And maybe that should have made my top five. It didn't, but I'm glad you brought it up because that was, uh, something again, like, you know, when I talked about, you know, putting my top five was 
kind of things that you'd never seen before, things that changed the business. And, and you're right. That was something like, what the hell is going on here? Like, what, what's happening? Pillman's got a gun. So, well done. Number five. And Brian Pillman, very underrated performer. Rocky, top five. What's your number five? Number five. Um, well, this moment for me was the beginning of one of my favorite angles uh, of yesteryear. And it was the beginning of the McMahon-Helmsley era. <laughs> And I'm going to go on record. My number five of my top five was the crashing of the test Stephanie McMahon <laughs> wedding. Yes. Because awesome. to, be, to be honest, back then, I was a test fan. I I was all for, you know, to me, he had a guy was a monster. He had a great look. Yeah. And, like, St- Stephanie was Stephanie. And I was like, okay. And I I don't think anyone could say they saw that coming. When, when you, yeah, you cut to Triple H in the freaking car and Steph's unconscious, I'm like, holy smokes, this guy is asshole. And, and then, of course, as we know, the later on swerve was Stephanie was all in it. But it was the it was the start of one of the greatest angles because I love the Stephanie, the, the mcmahon Holmesy era. I loved the rivalry that became between Triple H and The Rock during that time. And that was it, it, its beginnings. So I listed that as my top five because I was truly emotionally invested in the angle, and I thoroughly hated Triple H for ruining that wedding. And I think that that was like the wedding. I, to me, it was like the moment where you looked at Stephanie and it's like, that's Vince's kid. Like, <laughs> like the, the facial expressions there, and it, you know, you know and it's, it's it's amazing. Like when you put yourself back in some of these moments, like back, especially in the Attitude Era, and like you know, you got to think about the way the wrestling business was before that, and so and so. Like you said, Dave, with the Pillman thing, like with some of these things that happened as the Attitude Era was was evolving, was like you know stuff you'd never seen before, and um, you know, really interesting stuff. And, and again, like Stephanie becoming a quite the sports entertainer at that moment. Great moment. Rocky, why don't you keep going? What's your number four moment on your list? Okay. My, my number four moment uh, is going to be, because I'm going to have two moments that are, are fairly similar back to back. And this is going to be a start of one of them, but I know that they highly rated this moment on other lists. Uh, for me, it makes a top four. And I think my, my, my three is going to be more humorous, but one of my top four moments is, I was a fan of the beer truck. (laughs) Austin and the beer truck, charging the ring, just dousing everyone. Like, again, it was was a time where, for some reason, uh, WWE got vehicle crazy, and there was always some freaking vehicle coming to the ring. And that really started with, like, I remember Austin and the ATV. I remember, uh, you know, Taker, American badass with his bike, rolling around. This time it was a freaking beer truck. And they just had a freaking ball with it. And I always admired Stone Cold's ability. No matter how long he had wrestled that night or what he'd gone through, the dude had magnetic hands. Because whenever they freaking chuck that dude beers, he'd catch him like nobody's business. And it's like he sucked them right in. I was like, I want to develop that ability. <laughs> it's like, that is the coolest thing. Maybe I'll be labeled as an alcoholic, but God, I want to be able to do that. So the, the you know, and I, I don't want necessarily that. I want there to be a guy though that's always going to throw beer. Like, how awesome is that? Like, like Stone Cold reaches his, like his hand up, says two, and like two beers come flying at him. Like, that, that is, I, I would love to be able to do that wherever I am. Just have, if, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to have a guy that's just going to have to have beer on hand at all times. And if I throw up the two, he's going to throw beers at me. Uh, and that's a great moment. And it's funny because when I, you know, when I was trying to put together my moments and, um, 
you know, the, the, the beer truck didn't make it because I was kind of going back and forth with, like, wrestlers, and, and, and I didn't want, like, oversaturation with, with, with certain guys. And so Austin makes my list at number four. It's the Austin Tyson confrontation. Um, that makes that comes in at number four. Again, it's a moment for me that was was different. Um, it was during the, really the rise of, of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and um, it just looked real. As much as you know, and again, as wrestling has evolved, and they've really, you know, pulled the curtain back and and um, you know told us that it's scripted, it's sports entertainment. Um, you know, it wasn't like that. That was a slow evolution, you know, and, and there were times where you watched wrestling where you were just kind of like, huh, was that real? Like that, that didn't look like a war. It's all on the table that everything's a work, but at times you, you kind of wondered. And, and the Tyson thing with, with Austin was just one of those moments that is this really happening? And like, and, and then, like, Vince McMahon in all his glory where, you know, facial expression king, just like, yeah, 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 ruined everything, yeah, ruined everything. and Stone Cold throwing up the, it was just, it was just such a, an awesome moment. And, and just something, again, as, as I think, Dave, you hit with, with the Pillman, like, something that you felt like you were seeing something different. And that's why number four on my list comes Austin going after Mike Tyson. Dave, who's four on your list? Number four on my list was number five on Rocky's list, the Triple H-Stephanie McMahon wedding. I thought that the whole build-up to, the, the, the build to that was, was so cool. My, my favorite part is Triple H's delivery. You go back and you watch that, the, the delivery in his lines. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty now. Like, in the real world, he would have gotten arrested for, for slipping Stephanie McMahon and making it, <laughs> you know, and, and then driving her through. Like, first of all, she's got to have her signature on a marriage license, okay? She didn't do that, okay? He basically wrote – excuse me. He basically, you know, did her vows for her while she was passed out in the front seat of the car at the drive through wedding. But the best part was, like – when the video is over and you just see the look like Stephanie's crying in Vince's face. And then all of a sudden triple H goes, and there's gotta be just one question on your mind, dad. And then he pulls his hand up and you see his, the, his, his, the ring is on his, on his, the wedding band is on his ring finger. And then he says, how many times did we consummate the marriage? And then like, then it just went like all straight to hell. Like after that, like I just thought that whole segment just was so well done. And it was like, I mean, we talked about it, I think, on, like, our naughty list, like, how, like, you know, what, a, what an asshole he was for doing that. But it turned out to, to, to be the, 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 one of the, 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 the groundbreaking moves that his character made in his career to where he is today now. Because, you know, if you think about it, Hunter and Stephanie on TV and behind the scenes, they're the power couple in WWE. They, run the sh- they call the shots. They run the show. And you, you can look back, and that's where it started was at that wedding that night. Yeah, you got to know, though, like, when it comes to, to wrestling and weddings, like, it's just, you know, it's, ne- it's never going to turn out the way you, you think it's going to turn out. Something bad's going to happen. Like, why would – I mean, the only wedding that I know that's worked out thus far that happened in a wrestling ring is Dave LaGreca. I mean, other than that, like, you just you just don't get married in a wrestling ring because things are always going to go awry, you know? Um, but, yeah, interesting moment, and, again – uh, getting back to football, 4.58 left in the fourth quarter, 22-17. The Jacksonville Jaguars still on top. First and 10 from the New England Patriots on the Jacksonville 30. Oof. 
So getting dicey, getting dicey. And again, thank you for tuning in tonight. That's why we're giving you updates. If, you, if you're watching the foosball, uh, you know, I want to give you updates. If you're listening to us, we just being fair. We know it's championship Sunday as we're going through our top five moments in the history of Monday night raw. And I want to digress for, for a minute because I did see something online. Um, and I know Dave, you brought up, uh, Goldust, who, uh, you know, Goldust, the amount of time and years he spent on Monday Night Raw definitely deserves an honorable mention. But I'm curious, you guys, if you if you had to pick, like, um, the Raw superstar of the quarter century. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people will, will say that the, the Stone Cold. I don't know how you go away from John Cena. I mean, to me, like, John Cena would be it. I know, like, I, I think I just heard the internet break. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and I get Stone Cold being, being, you know, in the conversation. I just think that, like, if you look at, like, Raw 25 and uh, you, you look at, like, the superstar of the Raw quarter century, um, I think I'd have to go with John Cena. And, you know, John Cena has an interesting career, and, and, and I'm not going to go that way. You could debate greatest ever, and the debate is is clear, but – I'm curious for you guys, because it's interesting, and I'll put it out there right now. John Cena did not make my top five list, um, which is intriguing. But I still would think that, to me, he'd be the guy that I would say the best, I guess it would be the, the best Raw superstar ever. I'm curious, Dave, like who would make it? And second and two on the Jacksonville 7 now with 407 remaining. Um, so the Patriots are driving. Dave, who is your Raw superstar of the past 25 years? Um, it's interesting that you brought Cena up. Um, I, he's not, he's not, doesn't touch my top five at all, but um, I can't really narrow it down to one. I'd probably have to say either Triple H or Undertaker would probably be the raw superstar of the quarter century, in my opinion, because they've, they've been, they've been with WWE and at raw through everything. Okay. Cena's made a, made a mark on, on, you know, WWE and Monday Night Raw within the last decade or more, but, Triple H and Undertaker have been there from almost virtually the beginning. Undertaker's been there since the first episode of Raw, but Triple H not too long after that. Um, and Triple H has been through every era, has worked with just about all, all the top talent. Same thing with Undertaker. I mean, if I had to flip a coin, it would be one of those two guys. Just because they've seen and done it all on Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah, that's Rock. Um, as far as uh, my superstar, I would have to go and, and... – the funny thing is, Cena did not make my top five either. And it's, in retrospect, it's kind of weird because, you know, as much as the internet wrestling community would continue to disparage him, the man has obviously been the workhorse of, you know, not only WWE itself, the, the how people still in this day and age want to, you know, hate on John Cena so much. Uh, I, I just don't, it doesn't compute with me. But, you know, it's funny. He did not make my top five either. But as far as the Raw superstar for me, I am going to have to go with Raw is Jericho. Mm. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho, he's been at it for a long time. He debuted on Raw, uh, you know, through everything. And, yeah, he's had his hiatuses. And I, I thoroughly believe in the wrestling business, you know, the adage holds true. Uh, how are you going to miss me if I don't go away? So I think that those hiatuses have added to his popularity when, you know, when he does come back, he's, he comes back pretty much on top. But uh, when he does come back, he really, his body of work is fairly impeccable. And 
I thoroughly enjoy uh, watching Chris Jericho work, whatever he does on the microphone, whenever he gets to the crowd, uh, you know, an all-time consummate, you know, great, just destined for the Hall of Fame. That's a good choice. I think, you know, there's no, I don't think there's any wrong answer. It's, uh, but Jericho is definitely a great choice. And Jericho, you know, it was interesting that, um, you know, there was a debate I got into on, uh, on Facebook on, on the greatest debuts of all time. And quite possibly Jericho may have had, at least in the WWE, uh, the greatest debut of all time. I kind of lean towards Kane. Uh, but that did not happen on Monday Night Raw. Um, but Jericho, yeah, definitely an all-time great. I wonder if what we'll get um, come Monday night. And by the way, something's going on in, in the championship game. There's some sort of delay. Uh, I don't know what's happening, if there's a thunderstorm or something in New England, but there's some sort of delay according to my computer. So, again, want to keep you guys – Updated when it comes to Championship Sunday, 347-838-9815 is the number to call as we give you all our moments, the top moments of Monday Night Raw, and each one of us have three moments to go. So as we get you set for each of our top three moments, let's take a break now. And, all right, I just been – I got a text, which is awesome. I don't know what's going on on my computer, but New England scored a touchdown. Oh, God. So it is 22-23, pending the extra point. Uh, there was an injury that was delayed. Thank you to our producer, Michelle, who is giving us updates. There was an injury that was delayed. The Patriots have scored. So pending the extra point, it should be 24-20, New England, with 248 remaining in the game. So, again, want to keep you guys – uh, updated because we are very thankful for you guys that decided to spend your Sunday with us, even though it is NFL Championship Sunday. Give us a call, 347-838-9815. That is the number. Thank you, producer. Point after, it's good. <laughs> and it is 24-20 New England Patriots right now. On the other side of the break, we're going to give you each of our top three moments, but for now, it's time for the day five fifty fifty news report. Good evening, and welcome to the most comprehensive news report in the pro wrestling podcast game today. This is the day five fifty fifty news report. Only heard at the top of the hour, right here at the Kennedy Show. The best in pro wrestling talk. So we're, we're at now before like I get into this week's top stories, don't forget to search the hour, like, so whatever you feel and like or follow. You will find this show, along with countless others, that delve into the world of professional wrestling on a daily basis. You can find this show after possibly early Monday morning, and that's all thanks to this guy. You may know him as the mad scientist of B+, but I'd like to refer to him as the self-promotion machine, Mr. Mark Adam Haggard. The guy who steers the ship. B-Plus has his very own show. You should check out The Outsider's Edge. Search B-Plus Players Radio on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and or possibly Snapchat. I think those negotiations are still ongoing at this time. To find out that we are part of the ever-evolving pro wrestling podcast game in 2018. What are you waiting for? Do it right now. Well, not exactly right now because it's now time to get into this week's top stories once Ken decides to turn the microphone off. Our first story this week. Following up on the departure 
of EC3 from Impact Wrestling, it looks as if the speculation on his future has heated up since last week. The Houston, Texas area independent wrestling organization, Renegade Wrestling Revolution, announced this week that EC3 was slated to appear on their show. He's now been pulled from the event due to circumstances beyond their control. The date of this event is next Sunday, the same day that WWE presents the 2018 Royal Rumble event. With rumors abound that WWE has shown serious interest in EC3, the speculation has grown to the point that many believe EC3 will be a surprise entry into the men's Royal Rumble match. Even rumors of his appearance at the WWE Performance Center this past Tuesday has many believing his arrival to WWE is imminent. Time will tell on that. On a side note, following the airing of this program last week, Bobby Lashley took part in his final match with Impact Wrestling at their TV tapings in Orlando last Sunday evening. Lashley is another name rumored to be on WWE's radar. His Impact Wrestling contract is up on February 1st, so an appearance at next Sunday's Royal Rumble event is highly unlikely at this point, unless Impact Wrestling officials can agree to let Lashley appear on camera at the Rumble. Our second story this week, SportsKeda.com and seemingly every other combat sports media outlet has been all over this story. Ronda Rousey and WWE have reached a deal for her entry into the company. Speculation has it that Rousey is scheduled for a big match at WrestleMania, with rumors suggesting Stephanie McMahon, Charlotte, and Asuka as the leading candidates, but not to expect her to appear in the upcoming Women's Royal Rumble match. Rousey is scheduled to be out of the country filming a movie the day of the Rumble event, However, plans could change in her schedule in the event her participation is needed. And another follow-up story. Reports have circulated on the future of WWE programming once their television contract expires in 2019. WrestlingNewsSource.com reports this week that Fox isn't the only network looking to acquire WWE programming, and they are well aware of that, as the network is reportedly willing to offer WWE $400 million for the rights to air their content on their networks. Many speculate this is Fox's first step in eventually attempting to purchase WWE. This move is pending. Fox and UFC can't come to an agreement. Other networks have also expressed interest in acquiring, in acquiring WWE television rights, with names such as the newly forged partnership of YouTube and Google, Amazon, and even Disney has been a name tossed around. Speculation is that along with Fox, these other network entities may also be in a position to purchase World Wrestling Entertainment, a move that regardless of the buyer would change the industry forever. USA and NBC Universal know they are in for a fight as WWE programming has helped the network become a powerhouse in the cable ratings for the last 13 years, and in order to keep WWE programming, the network might have to pull out all the stops financially. One way or another, the landscape of television is changing, and WWE programming could be changing with it by 2019. With all the discussion about WWE's medical protocol <clears throat> coming into question following last week's Dave 5 report, one name who is at the forefront of the discussion is Daniel Bryan, a man whose name has come up in the dirt sheets regarding his in-ring future in recent weeks. Since Bryan was forced to step away from active competition in WWE, he has sought out medical opinions of some of the top neurologists from all over the country, doctors from UCLA and University of Phoenix, just to name a few. And upon further examination, Bryan, those doctors had come to the conclusion that Bryan is healthy and fit to wrestle again. On the other hand, WWE's medical staff have a different take on Daniel Bryan's condition. Taking all of that into account, 
rumors have circulated that Daniel Bryan is one of the favorites to win the men's 2018 Royal Rumble match. It was first reported earlier this week when several reputable betting sites listed Bryan as the heavy favorite with 5-1 to one odds, taking the top spot that names such as Roman Reigns, John Cena, and Shinsuke Nakamura held once the Rumble match betting odds were revealed. These same sites had listed Brian weeks prior as a 66-1 to favorite. Upon further research, the Wrestling Observer broke the news that Brian's name was pitched in a WWE creative meeting recently to win the Royal Rumble match. Sources say that once that idea was pitched, the betting sites increased Brian's chances of winning the match. Now, as of this moment, he is not clear to return. And although Brian has spoken publicly on his desire to return to action, a recent interview with WWE COO Triple H indicates that the company's strong desire to keep Brian out of the ring, further preventing harm to himself, stemming from the history he has with the con- concussions. As it stands, Brian is listed as a 4-1 to favorite, tied for third with Dolph Ziggler, courtesy of Patty Power betting sites. His odds could change either way between now and next Sunday. And in my final story this week, the WrestleVote Twitter account broke news this week that WWE is expected to announce the location for WrestleMania 35 in 2019 as early as next week. The account, who has broken various top stories in the past, indicates that their sources are saying it's a matter of 96 miles between the two final choices. Before this story made the rounds, rumors of a return to MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, as well as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, were the top two choices for the grand spectacle. If you do the math, both cities are not too far apart from one another. This year's WrestleMania in New Orleans came in with a final earth-shattering bid to beat out New Jersey's MetLife Stadium, as they were originally set to host WrestleMania once again. Considering that Raw 25 is being held in New York, and the Rumble is taking place in Philadelphia next Sunday, chances are these two locations fit the description on the rumor mill. WrestleMania 35 is slated to take place on April the 7th, 2019. There you have it, folks. Thanks for bearing with me on the, this edition of the Dave 55050 News Report. Check back here next week at the top of the hour for all the dirt and gossip that only I can deliver so eloquently. More pro wrestling talk and Raw 25 talk is on the way, so let's take it back to Ken and Rocky. Take it away, boys. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? You're off. I know. I, I, I thought we were off, and then lo and behold, so you got Get a window into like our conversations and, and, and realize like we we have to allow us we might want to make. Um, I think it's interesting, Dave. You know, in your news, um, pretty intriguing. Look at Daniel Bryan, who uh, was on my top five uh, Occupy Raw as one of the odds-on favorites. Um, and, and it's interesting because you know odds are based on where people are betting, and and this could just be a thing that uh. You know, it could be nothing. It could just be, I mean, number one, the fact that people are betting on wrestling, I find intriguing, um, aside from like side wages in, in a living room. Um, it could just be people betting on Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan's going to, uh, you know, be at the Rumble. Uh, you know, Mark Henry was on Busted Open, I think it was this past week, where he, he kind of said, you know, uh, with, with, Daniel Bryan's health issues that, that Vince McMahon genuinely does not want it on his conscience. Um, if this guy genuinely hurts himself and, and, and I want to get both, both of your take on the, 
Monday Night Raw talk because, you know, one of the things I find it intriguing with Daniel Bryan, and it is a shame what's happened to him, and, and you know, nobody, you know, I, I had said earlier that I was never the biggest Daniel Bryan fan, but I got caught up in everything that was Daniel Bryan, and I was at WrestleMania 30 doing the yes chant and everything. I mean, I got caught up with all of it. Um, it is what it is, and there's a few things with, with Daniel Bryan that um, I, I want to get like both your takes on because, number one, I – a lot of fans can't take themselves out of being fans and think in terms of like business and running a multi-billion dollar company. And when I, when I think of Daniel Bryan, I think of a few things that, and, and more when, when I look at like Daniel Bryan in the rumble and as if I'm sitting there as Vince McMahon and, and I'm putting my pros and cons together, there's probably more cons on my pros. Um, anyway, when I look at Daniel Bryan, I say, number one, if he's in the Rumble in Philadelphia, whatever, if, if the story we're trying to tell is not Daniel Bryan and his road to WrestleMania, the Philadelphia crowd is going to shit on anyone else winning aside from Daniel Bryan, unless they do it the right way. That's number one. Um, number two, if they allow Daniel Bryan to win the Rumble, they got to make sure he's going to stay healthy and if he doesn't win the title at Mania, people are going to shit all over. Number three, if he were to win the title, there's no, there's no uh, data right now that he can stay healthy for a run. So, you know, and it's interesting because now with, with the odds that, that with, with the betting odds that are coming out, if Daniel Bryan's not, in the Rumble this year, just because of that. No fault of the WWE. When number 30 gets announced, if it's not Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan has not gotten down to the ring, they're going to boo number 30, regardless of who it is. It could be Jesus Christ. It's Philadelphia. <laughs> it, it could be Santa Claus. They will boo whoever comes out at 30. Maybe Rocky Balboa. Maybe. You're right. <laughs> if Stallone comes out like, in his Rocky garb, maybe it gets a pop. But other than that, uh, yeah, you know, and and so like right now, I think just the odds, which is no fault of the WWE, um, is kind of painting the WWE into a corner. Um, As a fan, would I love to see a healthy Daniel Bryan come back healthy, be able to maintain the WWE schedule, have a good run. Um, Honestly, if he's healthy enough to go, the story I would tell right now is I would have, him in the Rumble, I'd have Shane somehow screw him over, with, and then with no titles, no nothing on the line, Shane versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. That's what I would do. I would keep Daniel Bryan as far away from any title as possible. Let's see if he can stay healthy for a while. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Um, but in all honesty, if I'm running the company, if I'm being honest with my multi-billion dollar publicly traded company, I'm kind of keeping Daniel Bryan out of the ring. I'm kind of curious, like, your, your thoughts on DB and, and what may happen. No, I, I can agree with your, with your stance uh, as far as Daniel Bryan is concerned. Uh, I'm a, a Daniel Bryan fan. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I have adopted the, the top rope headbutt into my repertoire, uh, partially from stuff I've watched from Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, stuff that he's used. But I think where the Internet wrestling community kind of doesn't, you know, they, they don't see the forest past the trees. 
if let's just go on the limb and say, okay, DB is back. Uh, DB is going to be back in a full-time uh, wrestling role. Considering the injuries, considering what he's had to go through, I would dare to say he has to radically change up his style. He has to cut out a lot of things that the fans are used to seeing him do. And that will only, it'll kind of throw the fans off. Uh, it's gonna, they're not going to know what to think. Uh, they're they're going to complain that this is not the Daniel Bryan of old. Well, of course not, dude. Uh, the, the guy has taken so many concussions, you know. And especially when you think, when all that started happening, and and DB admitted, he's like, yeah, I was hiding the fact that, you know, I was going completely numb and I was passing out. Yeah, you know, no one wants to you know revisit that. You know what? The dude said he was passing out. And said he lied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I lied. I, said, I, I passed out. You know, as much as I would love to see DB back, uh, you know, and again, it, it, do I think uh, Daniel Bryan was a second coming, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bret Hart? And no, he, I, thought, I thought he was able to work the crowd. His moves, he had a good move set. He had a fast move set. The dude, you know, ran around the ring like a ping pong ball. But if he de- if he was let back in, you're risking letting the fans letting the fans down because he can't wrestle that that style anymore. And to a lesser extent, if you look at the return, if you remember the return of Kurt Angle, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he'll get back to this level, but the return of Kurt Angle, I was hyped up to see Kurt Angle in a wrestling ring again. Did I think that he was going to be able to do what he did? No, but I was really hyped up for it. And then it happened. And then I had to watch. And then I'm like, oh, man, maybe this was not a good idea. Uh, you know, because obviously we all remember Kurt Angle as as the worker that, that he used to be before all the neck injuries, before all this, that, and the other thing. And that man was a monster in the ring. And now he's just like, oh, that looks like he's rather uh, – not as mobile as he used to be. And it, it, it was a letdown. Nothing against Kurt Angle at all. I, I still have nothing but the utmost respect for the man. But obviously he was past his prime. Now, do you get that with DB? Not to that extent, I don't think. But still, do you really want to risk tarnishing your reputation like that just for, just for another run? And, and it's interesting, like, how long can that run be? By the way, the top heel has made it to the Super Bowl. 24-20, the New England Patriots defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, casting is on point. Go Vikings. That's the matchup I want to see. Dave, your thoughts on do we see Daniel Bryan? Should we see Daniel Bryan? Um, you know, what do these, these odds coming out mean for the WWE and the Royal Rumble? Both of you guys make great points. I can't argue anything that you guys have to say regarding this Daniel Bryan situation. Um, I think with the I think you can go a couple different ways here. First of all, I think if he were cleared to return, okay, and I think it's very possible with the day with, with, with today's modern medical science evolving and all the different treatments he's done. I mean, he's had reputable neurologists tell him that he 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 has brain activity of someone who's never stepped foot in a ring before. You know, people from UCLA and University of Phoenix, he's gone all over the country on his own dime to, 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 to convince WWE's medical staff that he's 
that, that he's capable of performing and at a safe level, um, I think it's very possible he could return. Um, but that's all up to WWE. And I think WWE's not pulling the trigger based on, like you, like you guys said, you know, it's a billion-dollar company, and, you know, he lied about concussions in the past and having seizures and passing out, and, and so they're taking that into account. But also the fact they're still in the middle of a class-action billion-dollar lawsuit with over 50 former professional wrestlers suing them over concussion-related issues. Okay, and until that thing gets settled, I don't think Daniel Bryan steps foot in a ring to to wrestle actively for WWE. I really don't. I think if this lawsuit didn't happen, they would be entertaining the idea. Uh, but if he were to come back, like you said, Ken, I wouldn't have him go near the championship because you can't you can't really rely on his health and being someone that could carry the load of, of being the top guy with the title. But I would treat him as an attraction. I would treat him as like a once a month or every other month or kind of, kind of wrestler where he, he makes big appearances. You put him in tag matches to, to kind of boost up, you know, uh, the buildup for certain matches. You know, I, like I said, I'd make him a, a special featured attraction and don't oversaturate him. And I think that would help his long-term health. And I also think, too, Rock, like you said, you would have to change his style up. I think that's something that I, for one thing, I know because I've read interviews with him where he has said that he has worked on changing up his style in the event that he does come back and something that he feels that the audience would be receptive to. So I think possibilities are endless whether he can come back or not. Um, It's just a question of WWE medical saying, yes, you're clear to go. And I don't think that's going to be the case right now with, with the concussion lawsuit. Remains to be seen. It's going to be really interesting. You know, if we get to 29 and Daniel Bryan's not in the Royal Rumble, I just, you know, WWE, if you need me, like I'll just, I'll be in the Rumble and just get thrown out at number 30. Um, but yeah, I mean, whoever's number 30 is going to, they should just let Reigns come in at 30. You know, let, Reigns, you know, let, let Reigns come in at 30 and win. Piss off, Philly. <laughs> Anyway, three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. As we have, what is your top moment on Monday Night Raw on our page? Um, Erica McDaniel actually commented on, on our page. Uh, anytime Stephen McMahon slapped someone or got a stunner. So <laughs> a little bit broad, but that was Erica McDaniel's uh, favorite Raw moments. Right now, the poll question between Austin and his beer truck and The Rock challenging Hulk Hogan. Uh, 71% have voted for The Rock challenging Hollywood. 29% still with the Austin beer truck. Let's get into our top three. And for me, my top three, uh, I, it's a toss-up, man. Like I, I could have like changed the order with these three. They, they all could have been number one. Um, it's almost like an, I, I kind of toyed with having ties, but I – I hate when people have lists and they're ties. It's just like, no, no, no. like no, you like if you if it's, if it's a top five, five. Like they're not like the ties are cop out. So there was. I hope neither one of you guys have ties. <laughs> I just just bash ties. But um, I, I was never really crazy about ties. So I was like, you know, all right, I'm just gonna go with these three moments. So number three, uh, for me comes in. Shane McMahon purchases WCW. Well, I should say purchases Nitro. Um, that, uh, again, a moment, uh, could have been my top moment. I slotted it at number three. Um, I really think it should have been higher on the WWE's list, uh, 
uh, per their show this past week. Um, when I look look at a moment that, again, a moment that, that I'd never seen, uh, a moment, you know, on a lot of levels, especially in wrestling, you know, even if you try to avoid spoilers and avoid dirt sheets, you know, with social media, with Twitter, um, you know, there are times that, like, you know, you just can't help but, like, you just you find things out. You hear things. It's all over. I can't tell you how often, like, in the past few years that, like, you know, I'll be a little behind on Monday Night Raw and I'm watching it on the DVR and I just think very innocently, like, oh, let me check my Facebook. And then their status is, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I'm like, shit, now I know. Now it's not going to be a surprise, you know. It's just the way it is. And, you know, you go back to being a fan of yesteryear and as much as you knew WCW was, was for sale, I don't even remember if I knew that or if anyone knew that Vince, like, definitively had purchased WCW. But... Um, when they like simulcast and it was like Shane's on Nitro, uh, it was just something that was, uh, as you know, you spent the bulk of the Monday Night Wars with, uh, you know, wearing out the flashback button on your remote control where you're just kind of trying desperately to watch both shows at, at the same time um, for a lot of reasons. And honorable mention, again, another moment that didn't make my list, but uh Rick Rude on both shows uh, one night, um, you know, uh, as, as the, the Monday Night Wars ensued, uh, that was an incredible night, but you had to, to keep up on what was going on, and both shows were hot, like, you just flipped back and forth, that's how you spent your Monday night, trying to figure out how to watch both shows at the same time, and um, all of a sudden, you're watching both shows at the same time on the same channel and it was it was just something that like oh my god like is this really happening is this you know it's just in the wrestling world it's just kind of you know you, you just it, it's hard to explain to people who aren't wrestling fans you know it, it's just kind of you know if you were watching like ABC and, and, and like he just announced that like he just bought NBC and then simulcast like a show on NBC at the time. It's just, it was one of those things that like the, the two companies were so huge and it was so, you know, the back and forth and who's signing where. And, and again, without like the internet being what it is today, like, you know, contracts back and forth and who's going over and who's jumping ship. And finally, when, when WWE won the Monday night wars and uh, Shane was on Monday nitro to me, that's my number three moment. It could have been number one, um, but it comes in number three for me. Uh, just an absolute, not not just a moment for uh, Monday Night Raw, but a moment for all of pro wrestling and, and just an incredible moment. So uh, that comes in at number three for me. Dave, what was number three on your list? Number three on my list was when D-Generation X invaded Nitro. Um, nice. That's Something that nobody ever thought they would see. I mean, I was a big DX fan, um, and so when they were on Raw, they showed the clips of them with the tank, and they were outside of the venue at Nitro, and then a couple weeks later, they went to the CNN Center, and I think they almost got arrested, too. The cops got, you know, showed up to the WCW offices in Atlanta. I mean, it, it was just really cool to see. I mean, you know, of course, our, everyone, everyone's an armchair booker in, in, in wrestling these days, and you know, people thought, oh, wouldn't it have been really cool if, like, they just showed up on Nitro? Like, yeah, it would have been cool, but you know that it wasn't going to happen, so just shut up. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like, you know, like everyone's like, oh, it would have been really cool if they went on Nitro and they put the tank out, you know, right in the middle of the segment at the end. Of, Shut your mouths, okay? Because you know, I'm sure that they thought of that before you did, asshole. All right. Um, but in all seriousness, it was just a moment that, like, I just thought was really cool, and it really kind of like, at the time for Raw, Raw had like certain, you know points in the show that you were like looking forward to and dx was one of those you had off you had the austin and mcmahon thing going mick foley undertaker but then you had dx and dx was like the comic relief and and doing what they did to nitro to me like i was a big wcw fan i was just a big wrestling fan in general but like when they embarrassed them like that on tv i was like oh there's there, there was really no turning back in my mind with wcw when it came to that you know it was just a Total embarrassment, but it was it was definitely a great moment and something that like definitely revolutionized the business and something you never thought you would see in wrestling at that time. And it was an incredible moment because like these companies are really at war. I, I mean, it's it, it just you know there's no. I mean, again, like it's tough if you're not a wrestling fan to really explain to someone what it was like. But uh, um, and that that moment it, it was close. That, that was actually a moment that I debated a lot. Did not crack my top five. And that's why I think it's great that we came up with our lists independently because uh, we've we've had very different lists. And that's the the essence of being a wrestling fan. Much to the chagrin of some fans, it's you know everyone likes different stuff and everyone like everything resonates differently with people. And it, it's it's amazing because that was such a cool moment. And when you look at the Monday Night Wars. Um, Oh my God, the WWE should have never won. I mean, they should have never won. And it, it's the, the the WWE, and I think that DX segment kind of illustrated it that they were just like you know broken and, and battered and bloodied and and just kept. But like they were, we'll use Rocky again. I mean, the WWE they were Rocky. They they were Rocky that just like you know they're Rocky. And I'll say they're Rocky against Drago. And they just kept getting pounded and pounded and pounded. And there's no way he could beat them. And then DX shows up at Nitro. It's like, he's just a man. He's just a man. Um, you know, it was just, there's no way. The WWE should never have won the Monday Night Wars. It, it, it's ridiculous when you look back. I mean, we lived it. Um, for fans that didn't live it, you, you don't get it. I'm sorry. You just, there's no way to, to conceptualize what it was like living through the Monday Night Wars. Um, and the WWE, honestly, a lot of revisionist history when you look at like how the nineties played out and, and how everything that went down, um, living it. Uh, yeah. When, 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 D, uh, DX shows up at, at WCW Nitro, um, it was something like, wow, like they're just, there's no holds barred. Like they're just going to do whatever, whatever they feel like doing, they're just going to do because they, it's like, they don't have the wherewithal to win this. It was like guerrilla warfare. It was like the American Revolution. Like you can't beat the, um, we can't beat the British. So we'll go into like sneaking around in the woods, and and uh, uh, it's it just it was an incredible time to be a wrestling fan. Great moment reaches Dave's top three. Rocky number three on your list. Well, see my my number three, uh, and I, I wrestled. I just want to say I wrestled with my number four, uh, but being that I put that I put the uh, Austin beer truck at number four, I felt like I had to put this somewhere in my top five because, and then I wrestled with the placement, but uh, I feel, I'm feeling good about my decision. My, my three, my number three 
going along the lines of Austin and the beer truck has to be Angle <laughs> and the milk truck. Because oh, as, as over the top as Austin with the beer truck was, you know, and obviously it was a blatant ripoff. Of course it was. But what made, for me, the Angle and the milk truck segment so much better, it was not only uh, Angle and the way he played it up, but if you if you go back to that moment and you listen to Jim Ross commentating, he is going absolutely crazy. Like he is, he is hyping up the moment. And then when you saw angle, just crack, crack open, like half gallons, looked exactly like Austin, like the, you know, chucking milk cartons at the Alliance. It was hilarious. It took Austin's moment, turns it on its ear. And in my feeling, it was just, the way they did it was just a notch above Austin and the beer truck. So there's no way I can include one and not include the other. And I think that angle actually surpassed Austin's moment with that. And and that's a, that's a great moment, man. And, and angle, you know, I think that moment for, for me with, with Kurt angle, just is almost like a microcosm, how um, I don't know if there's anybody. And, and I, the side note, I think you bring up a good point with Jim Ross. Um, a lot of these moments uh, become bigger moments because Jim Ross was calling them. And uh, quite possibly, you know, maybe a lot of newer moments don't make our list because Jim Ross is not calling them because, uh, um, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, Jim Ross um, could make a, a shitty match good, a good match great, and a great match something historical. Like that's – he elevated matches. He cared about um, – he cares about because he's, he's still commentating. Uh, you know, he's out there with New Japan. Um, he calls the action. He calls the action in the ring. He calls what's going on. He does. He's not in the middle of a match or middle of a segment saying, "Be sure to follow us on Twitter." You know, he's he's out there calling the match. And uh, you know, there, there's something to be said when we look at these moments when it's it's Jim Ross was the one that that's calling it. Uh, but getting back to Kurt Angle. Um, and I'll throw it to both of you guys. I mean, I think that, that I, I look at that moment as almost a microcosm of, of who Kurt Angle was because um, he was a guy that was incapable of having a bad match, um, but could be a face, could be a heel, could be comic relief. And he was one of the few guys that could be comic relief, but you still had to take him seriously once he got into that ring. He wasn't like, I'm a big fan of Santino Morella. I love what Santino Morella bought the table. Crack me up on, on, a, on a nightly base when he was on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. However, you know, in ring, I'm sure he's a talented wrestler. But how he was booked, didn't look at him as dangerous. Didn't look at him as a force to be reckoned with. The Cobra was essentially the most comical finisher in, in existence. Angle could be comic relief. And still, there was a gravity to him once he stepped into the squared circle. And number one, there are very few, and I'd have to think about it. Dave, you're, you're more of the historian. You'd be better off at this. Um, I can't think of a guy who is an athlete in another sport that set foot in the wrestling ring and picked it up as quickly as Angle was able to pick it up and able to pick up all the facets of pro wrestling. Like I said, this guy, book him as a face, book him as a heel, 
book him as comic relief with, with a goddamn milk truck. This guy was going to be gold regardless of um, what he did. And, I, you know, when you look at certain performers, you know, you look at a guy like, like go back, look at John Belushi. John Belushi would take, um, you know, it's not always just the writing and the sketch. It's the performer. And John Belushi would take sketches that were thrown in the garbage and he'd pull them out and make them into gold. Um, you know, I look at like a guy like Tom Hanks, who's in Castaway. It's like, guess what? 90 minutes of this movie, you're going to be playing against a, a, a volleyball. And he made it work. Um, you know, that night Kurt Angle comes in and it's like, you got you to gotta drive a milk truck down to the ring. And he makes a moment. He makes a moment out of it, you know, and, and it's something that is a testament to his talent and, and what he's able to do. And uh, again, I want to throw it to you, Dave. I mean, is there anybody in, in history that was able to pick up professional wrestling that came from another walk of life like Kurt Angle was able to do? I'll be honest with you. There's not anybody I could really think of. Uh, Kurt Angle's probably the, the, the one guy that, that comes to mind um, in recent memory that went from a completely different realm of athleticism into, into this world of, of pro wrestling and sports entertainment and, you know, far exceeded any expectations that anyone ever had of him. Um, you brought up a great point. I want, I don't want to go too off the beaten path here, but Jim Ross talked about how like a lot of our moments in this countdown, not, not, not many of them, if any are more recent moments and, Maybe that's because Jr. isn't calling it. Jr. I, I, I watched a, um, a roundtable with him on the WWE Network, and it was about Monday Night Raw. And there was one point in the, in the roundtable where it was Michael Hayes or Mean Gene kind of was giving Jim Ross praise for his commentary on Monday Night Raw throughout the years, you know, being the voice of Monday Night Raw, so to speak. And, you know, Jr. humble guy that he is, says, you know, I'd like to think that it was a combined effort between, you know, myself and the talent the talent writes the music but we the commentators provide the lyrics and that in turn makes a gr- makes great television great moments that you've seen on monday night raw within the past 25 years and i thought that was a great great way for jr to analyze um you know the moments on raw over the years because he, he couldn't have said it better i mean his call on that milk truck was Classic. I mean, I'll try and do my best Jr. impression while I'm under the flu. But uh, Jr.'s the, the the quote of the, the quote of that whole segment was uh, the billion dollar princess just became the Dairy Queen. Like, I mean, just, <laughs> it, 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 like, and, and while Kurt Angle's chucking milk cartons and, and hosing people down, and I mean, the way people are selling it too, like flying around the ring. I mean, it was just, it, 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 that's a great moment. I'm glad you brought that moment up, Rock, because that's, that was, that was absolutely hilarious to watch. And it, going back, I'm going to watch it later now that you brought it up, because I thought that was one of the best moments. And it's awesome. And that's why, like, you know, sometimes with our show, I mean, sometimes it's, it's fun to be organized and put stuff together, but I'm, I'm digging the fact that we came up with our, our top fives independently and, uh, you know, again, like, and let this be a lesson to you, young wrestling fans. Like, we can all be friends and still like different things in pro wrestling. It's okay. <laughs> That's the essence of pro wrestling. I think it's because honestly, I thought we were going to have a lot of overlap, and we might now we get to our top two. But I think it's been a lot of fun so far as we, you know, get down to it. we got a little less than a half hour left. Is you know that we've we've explored a lot of different moments, and we're we're not having the same moments on our list, and that's that's a testament to just being a fan and, and, and digging 
you know, different things in, in the realm of, of pro wrestling and the things that have happened over the 25 years of Monday Night Raw. So as we hit everybody's top two, Dave, what comes in at number two for you? Number two, you have this on your list earlier, but the, the, the Mike Tyson, Stone Cold, Steve Austin confrontation. I mean, um, if you couldn't find a moment that epitomized the words raw, the word raw, like look no further than that, than that moment. I mean, Mike Tyson at that time was a lightning rod of controversy and just bitten Evander Holyfield's ear off. He was suspended from the sport of boxing. WWF was changing the direction of their programming with their attitude. And Steve Austin was at the, at the, at the forefront of that. Those two guys, they're just in many ways they're polar opposites, but they're but they're they're also very alike in in other ways. And just those two, just two different worlds colliding. Like like I'll never forget when I watched it live. I was like, holy cow, this is like the coolest thing ever. Like screw Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. I want to see Stone Cold and Mike Tyson at WrestleMania. And then the next day when it hit Sports Center, I remember going to school. Kids who weren't wrestling fans, of course, are sucking up to me because there was the only wrestling fan that they knew of, like, oh, my God, Mike Tyson, he, he him and Stone Cold. Like, I'm just telling you, like, the effect that it had on, like, on, on me and just overall in general as far as, you know, the history of wrestling, I mean, it, it definitely set the gears in motion. Like, like WWE was, like, full-on high speed, like, ready to take the lead from WCW. And that, to me, I think was, like, the moment. People people go back and look at the screw job, and, yes, that does play some significant parts in, uh, in, 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 you know, the history of Monday Night Raw and WWE's success following that. But I really feel like if, if Mike Tyson wasn't in the fold for WWE at the time and they didn't have that moment with Austin, who knows how successful they would have been uh, following that. So... To me, that was just like, it just epitomized the word raw, like Austin and Tyson and JR. Another point, great commentary on that. Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin, all hell's breaking loose. And, you know, just, uh, just, oh, I can't tell you how good a moment that was. That was, I was toying with that moment as the number one moment, but I definitely put it in there at number two, and it's, it definitely deserves to be in the top five of all time for the history of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it's, it's a great moment. Again, it's, it's one of those moments that kind of, uh, like I said earlier, like kind of blurred the lines and you're wondering, is, is this really happening? And like, and, and Vince was just phenomenal in the whole thing. You know, it's just a, it was just a really great moment. Do you remember when like Tyson bit Holyfield? <laughs> I mean, again, there's certain things where you look back and it's like, again, if you didn't live through it, I was at a party for that. And for whatever reason, like half the party kind of saw it and half the party didn't. And so like, those, I was I was on the the side that like saw it like as soon as it happened and we like jumped like he bit his ear he freaking and like Holyfield like had the, the the greatest vertical leap in the history of boxing he jumped about ten feet in the air and, and like we're screaming that he and then like half the party's like what are you talking about he did not he what did and then they show in slow motion you just see Tyson's mouth <laughs> and then the whole party's like oh my god he bit him. So you're right. Like, I mean, talk, like Dave, I mean, lightning rod of controversy is definitely the, the right term. And then, and then it's weird because like, that's the thing, like WWF, uh, you know, the attitude era when it came to controversy, not that it's a call the steal. Yeah. It's a steal Bischoff's term controversy creates cash. Um, 
that was it. It's like, ooh, Mike Tyson's controversial. Let's bring him in. You know, that'll, that'll, that'll put eyeballs on the product. Uh, you know, seemingly we, uh, WWE, like, steers away from controversy where they are running right towards it. A great moment, number two for Dave. Number four for me, Rocky, what comes in at number two for you? Well, me, uh, number two is going to be a moment that uh, involves uh, two of my favorites of all time. Uh, well, definitely, certainly one of my favorites of all time in The Rock. And uh, another favorite of mine would be Mick Foley's, uh, Miss Foley's Baby Boy. Uh, and that is the highest ever Raw uh, segment. And this is your life. Uh, <laughs> I loved The Rock and Sock Connection. I was a big fan of The Rock and Sock Connection. Obviously, I was a big fan of The Rock. But just watching uh, Foley's continued attempts to like gain The Rock's uh, you know, acceptance, to, to gain his, his approval, I, I always found that so, you know, they pulled it off so well. And, uh, you know, Rock's aloofness and all that jazz. But to, to culminate in that segment and the, the whole thing, to me, obviously, it was gold. I was, you know, maybe probably the longest segment ever. And uh, if, I, if I remember my history correctly, I think Vince hated it for that reason that it went out so bloody long. But to me, every minute of that segment was gold. Obviously, the rock is gold, and Foley just made the whole thing, you know, tied it up in a nice big bow. So, for me, number two, uh, This Is Your Life by Mankind. And interesting enough, for me, number two, Mick Foley is at number two as well for me, but at number two, winning his title, winning the championship as the powers that be at WCW. Shivani comes over the airwaves and says, hey, McFoley, you know him as Mankind's going to win the title over there on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, that'll put butts in seats. And sure enough, it kind of did. And when I look at the Monday Night Wars, and, and my last two, uh, you know, my number three, number two on my list, uh, McMahon purchasing Nitro, uh, Foley winning the title, definitely, uh, you know, big moments in the Monday Night Wars. And, uh, to me, as much as Shane buying uh, being on Monday Nitro was the definitive end of the Monday Night Wars, uh, to me, Mick Foley winning this title was definitely uh, really the beginning of the end. Um, you know, WCW doing some underhanded stuff, which kind of backfired on them, and uh, people flipped the channel because they really wanted to see Mick Foley win that championship, and uh, actually, Mankind winning the championship. So, Mankind wins the championship kind of shifts the tide. Of the Monday Night Wars, that comes in at number two to for me, which leads us to number one. All of us in number one. And it's amazing how we've all been all over the place. I, I think this is phenomenal. I'm so glad. I actually, when, when we were doing the show, I toyed with, like, us kind of, you know, texting beforehand and coming up with a definitive, like, uh, TKRS uh top five list, but I, I thought it would just be cooler because it, it leads to more conversation. And I'm kind of psyched. We've been all over the place. And uh, right now our poll question on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy show uh, still right now, 71% voting for the rock challenging Hollywood Hogan, 29% for the Austin beer truck. Let's throw it out to Rocky. What comes in at number one? for you uh my number one it took it took a lot of thought 
uh, it was a nice stroll down memory lane going over a bunch of moments, but uh, I finally rested upon this moment because I remember watching it. I remember going crazy and I remember that it was the beginning of something great. And I kind of alluded to it earlier in the show when, when I talked about them, but for me, the number one moment, raw moment, would be the debut of Chris Jericho. Wow! That's good. Of course, it, in, it involved good. one of my favorites in The Rock. But then involving a young Chris Jericho who we didn't know at the time would you know, develop and blossom into the Chris Jericho of today. Just watching that countdown clock go, you know, the whole countdown clock that had been going on for, you know, several shows up to that point. And then seeing his entrance, it was a larger-than-life entrance to go up against The Rock verbally, uh, you know, right from the get-go. Uh, you know, I thought that was a great testament to the faith they had in Chris Jericho. And he de- definitely developed into, you know, obviously one, a great talker. And uh, I would go on to say that I love the verbal sparring that they had and just Jericho's career. I am a huge Chris Jericho fan. I, I would even go on a limb to say that after the rock, um, Chris Jericho for me comes uh, a, a close second, uh, just through his longevity, through his mic work, through his ring work, you know, everything the guy does, it, it seems like he can do no wrong. Uh, but that debut for me, that was, and every, every time Chris Jericho did his entrance, when he did the whole standing in front, arms spread out, like, to me, that was the epitome of what a wrestling superstar should be. I, I always loved the entrance. Uh, I can't sing enough praises for Chris Jericho. That's my number one moment. And it's a good number one moment. It's a moment that sticks out. And it's a moment that, again, like, you bring up a good point. Who knew? I mean, I don't think anybody, and if you did, if you did, you're probably lying. Um, anyone looked at Jericho, especially at that time, as uh, an all-time great or potentially going to be an all-time great, and uh, you know, having the confidence to deb- debut him uh, verbally sparring with The Rock, um, and, and he's developed into an all-time great. Uh, you know, he's an interesting guy because I don't know where I'd rank him. Maybe that's a conversation for another day, like where you'd rank him as far as the all-time greats. Um, but he has become one and it definitely was a, a very cool moment. It definitely was a moment that had a, a solid lead in. So you're looking forward to it. It was definitely a moment. They got a great pop and, uh, uh, comes in at number one for Rocky's top five moments in the history of Monday night raw. Dave, what's your number one moment? My number one moment in the history of Monday Night Raw was the moment that you put in your top five. It made your number three. It's my number one, the Raw Nitro simulcast when Vince McMahon announced, tried to announce the purchase of WCW, and then Shane came in and, uh, you know, took it right from under his nose. It's the moment I feel like it changed the industry to what it is today. There isn't another wrestling program on Monday nights that goes head-to-head with Raw anymore. TNA tried it for maybe about a month or two, and they realized that they were out of their league uh, going head-to-head with Vince McMahon on Monday nights. And I just remember watching that as a kid. Um, I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. I remember earlier in the day, um, I came home from school, and I would go on the Internet and read all the dirt sheets because it was like, you know, right before WrestleMania, and I went to WCW's website, and it redirected you to WWF.com. 
And then I went on the dirt sheets, and it was like WCW purchased by WWF. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. It was like I, I, I was witnessing an end to like the, one of the best periods in the history of the business where, you know, like you said, Ken, you're, the flashback button on the remote control was getting worn out because you're using it so much from flipping between Raw and Nitro. I mean, it, I, was, I was literally witnessing the end of, of that era, and there may never be anything like that ever again. And there hasn't been to this day. Um, I just remember, like, I used to I, – I, I was big into tape trading. Um, I, tried, I eventually wanted to have my own uh, VHS wrestling tape business. I was going to, like, try, try to do something like that online when I was a kid. For those of you youngins out there that are listening, VHS tapes, that's before DVDs and Blu-rays and now streaming. You know, I used to VHS and chill before there was ever a freaking Netflix. Um, <laughs> so – Raw, I taped Nitro, I taped all the pay-per-views, any, anytime they had like a special on, a Clash of Champions, I'd tape, I, I had a ton of stuff. I used to tape things, it was just ridiculous. So that night, I was like, I gotta tape this. I'm like, it's, it, it's a given. So I like held my house hostage. It was like the living room was, was, was taped with, with Nitro, and then like my brother's bedroom, like, because he had a VCR in his room, like I had to tape Raw. I had to have the simulcast, and I had to have it on like two different VHS tapes. It was just like driving me insane. And just watching it, seeing it happen, like it was, it was unreal. It was absolutely unreal. And I, and I don't think we will ever get to an era of wrestling where it's that hot again. I think wrestling is hot right now because of the different, because of the, the different avenues that guys can perform in other than WWE, but it will never be what it once was with WWF and WCW. And that moment right there signaled the end it was like the end of an era it really was and to me i think that's the number one moment in the history of monday night raw aside from that bullshit when shane mcmahon purchased it and then they fucked up the whole uh, alliance angle they could have vince mcmahon could have made zillions of dollars off of doing a real wcw versus wwf storyline if he signed all the big guys except he took wcw's junior varsity squad and had them get killed for six months on tv and then you already know what happened there, but that's my number one moment. And, and again, historically, it is, it is a big moment. And uh, turn to my number one moment. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's fun. And, and I, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I, I love the, the angles that we call, come at that stuff with. And, uh, you know, nothing really overlapping. Uh, we've had some similar moments, but in different spots on our, on our countdown. Um, you know, Monday Night Raw has been a staple and, and you're right, Dave, you know, it's one of those things where like the, the wrestling business, less is more. And when it was two companies that were huge fighting each other, it, it was something special as much as there's so many companies out there and there's so much for a wrestling fan to, 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 to be able to see wrestling and watch wrestling. It, it's not the same. It's not, you know, we were watching essentially a knockdown drag out heavyweight fight every Monday night. Um, that's essentially what was going on. And we'll probably never see anything like that again. And that being said, my number one moment uh, does not actually come from the Monday Night Wars. Um, but, and, and this is, you know, I'm a little biased. I'll be the first to admit. Uh, it's, a, it's a moment, though, that to me uh, stands out as far as uh, being a performer, being a wrestler. Uh, and, and, and a lot of, to, to me, you know, uh, having gotten in the ring and, and 
tried to learn the craft and then done my best and, and really um, trying to work a crowd and sometimes succeeding, sometimes not, um, you know, and, and to be able to, to work a crowd and have a crowd in the palm of your hand is, is, is such an incredible skill to have. Um, and it's something that I, I do think, you know, and, and some, you know, wrestlers right now in, in, in the business today should, could probably take a, a lesson in, in learning that, that it is, you know, whether you want to call pro wrestling, I know a lot of wrestling fans uh, do not like the term sports entertainment, but even when it was pro wrestling, it's still entertainment. And, and I digress. Uh, the Vikings have just scored uh, six, nothing Vikings in quarter. Number one, 10, 14 left in the first quarter, pending the extra point. Just let you Let's guys go know. Yeah, we won. <laughs> first home team. I, I, like, think about it. the first home team in Super Bowl history going up against the Patriots. It's just, oh, my God, it's the best story. I digress. Book that shit um, now, Roger Goodell. Exactly. <laughs> you need to book so that when, when I think about, money. like, you know, as, as many, like, you can do 100 flips off the top rope, you can come up with, like, all these crazy spots, but ultimately – you, you, you have to entertain. And, and uh, also, you got to look at your body and how to stay healthy and uh, charisma and everything goes, goes a long way. And when, when I really think about not just the greatest moments in Monday Night Raw history, but the essence of being a pro wrestler, the essence of entertaining, the essence of really having the crowd in the palm of your hand, my number one moment is – when The Rock challenged Hollywood Hogan uh, for WrestleMania. That, to me, is the consummate wrestling moment. That is when you had two guys, two guys who have more charisma than and any of us could, could hope to ever have. Two guys that are like, you know, like, Rock, could you donate your pinky to me? Because that would, like, you know, like severely upgrade my, my level of charisma. I mean, two guys that just, um, oozed charisma, knew how to work a crowd, knew, you know, I, you know, people will, will say what they want about Hogan, you know, you didn't like, well, you know something, brother. If you weren't a fan of that promo style, so be it. I loved it. It was perfect for the 80s when he was a baby face in the 80s. Uh, you had two guys that could, could wield the, the verbal sword better than almost everybody in, in the history of the business. And they knew to shut the hell up and create a moment by just looking at each other and turning and then turning the opposite way and allowing the moment to breathe. And, and the, the timing of staying quiet is, is just, it's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. There's, there's, I, I can't say enough great things about, and, and it, again, it's one of those things that's a shame that, that mainstream media does not, look at pro wrestling um, the way it looks at other entities, because I, I defy any actor, anybody, anywhere to get in front of a live crowd and, and hold that crowd in the palm of their hands the way The Rock and Hogan did in this moment. It's one of the most, not just wrestling, to me, it's one of the most phenomenal moments in all of entertainment, all of live entertainment. And I only can like it to, um, you know, I was watching uh, This Is It, the, the Michael Jackson documentary. And this guy was talking about Michael, and he said, you know, Michael would come out on stage, and he would just stand there. 
and he knew to stand there and he would just, and the crowd would get louder and louder and he's just standing perfectly still. And the crowd would just get louder and louder. And somehow Michael knew that the precise moment that the crowd may have gotten quieter, it it never got quieter, but the precise moment that it may have started to decline, he brings his hand up to his sunglasses and the crowd pop as loud as it was, the crowd actually gets louder. And as the crowd's getting louder and louder, Michael's just standing there with his hands on his sunglasses. He starts to, after a few minutes, few minutes, starts to take the sunglasses off. And then there, there are people passing out in the front row. He's done nothing. He's done nothing. And that's the only part of entertainment, the only, only figure in entertainment history that I can liken to this moment. It, it, it to me, is just phenomenal. Um, and, and it was phenomenal when it happened. It, it strikes me now, even just uh, from being in the ring and, and being, uh, you know, in front of that live wrestling crowd and just the balls to say, yo, we're going to shut up. We're not going to, like, we can, we can wow this crowd. And they could have. These two could have gone back and forth promo style and, and, and had the crowd whipped into a frenzy. There's no doubt in my mind they could have gone back and forth. But they went the other direction. And they, they, they just stopped and, and, and stared each other down and took the exact right amount of time to stare at each other and then turn and look at the crowd, stare at each other, look the other side as the crowd was Rocky, Rocky, Hogan, 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 Rocky, Hogan. It, it, to me, there's, there's – I, I still get goosebumps. It's, it's a moment that, honestly, as a wrestling fan, a few times a year, I'll just go back and, like, pull that moment up and watch it again because – um, it, it to me just strikes me as, as such an incredible moment in the history of pro wrestling. And right now it is still up 71% to 29%. Actually it won. I just said the poll has just ended. Uh, so the, the Ken Reedy show universe, we call it that. I, I actually always call it the family, the Ken Reedy show family. <laughs> Excuse me. Ken yes. They, uh, uh, voted for the rock challenging Hogan. Um, and honestly, you know, one of the things that I did look at this moment as well is the, the payoff was there, too. Uh, the storyline worked. Um, you know, the rock bottom to Hogan after the segment. The, uh, you know, basically the NWO trying to commit vehicular manslaughter um, and, and trying to kill the rock. And then getting to WrestleMania, the crowd firmly behind Hogan. Um, but the rock being talented enough to weather that storm kind of win the crowd over. Uh, and then, you know, a moment I almost put on the list, but I'm like, I can't have two moments in the same storyline. When Hogan came back the night after WrestleMania on Monday Night Raw, um, just the, the whole story arc there just worked so well. Um, so my number one moment comes the rock challenging Hollywood Hogan. Uh, like, yeah, I think you said, Dave, it was uh, Barry Bonds challenging Babe Ruth, something that, you know, no one ever thought they'd see. And, Kudos to Hogan when it got to WrestleMania. Um, a good 20-minute match, uh, you know. Hogan, one of, to me, it's one of Hogan's best matches. Uh, bell to bell. I thought Hogan did a, a, a phenomenal job in that match uh, with a younger competitor. Uh, so everything about that story arc worked. That's my number one moment. And 
guys, I, I thought this was really cool, man. That we were like kind of all over the place with stuff and uh you know, number one moments like that didn't make other guys lists and, and stuff. I think it was really cool that we were and lo- again, look at us. Wrestling fans with different opinions that are, oh, yeah. and we're actually just conversing and we're not each other's throats. It's amazing. It is amazing. Who would have thought of that? Who would have thought of that? Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, man. I remember like you know, I remember like time started changing where I was at uh I was at Mania and we're at an access. It was a few years back and there's some guy and he was an adult. There was some guy online, and he said something about John Cena, and I was like, I, I don't really hate on John Cena. He's like, oh, yeah, you would. You would say that. I'm like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> like, what, what about me, like, would say that? It's like, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, I would. I would say that. Um, but, yeah, like, you, you can converse and have differences of opinions, and, uh, yeah, still get along. So, so, so I don't have to get up on the chair and do the diving headbutt over there? <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. There's not a lot of space in the studios. Sure, we, like to, we like to glorify the Ken Reedy <laughs> Show studios, but uh, someone got, would get hurt. Yeah, I guess I So, uh, yeah, I mean, Dave, this is this is fun stuff. Uh, Dave, you're the, the uh, resident historian. So uh, um, I, I thought this was fun. I thought it was cool that we all had, like, different stuff in different places. And uh, I, I thought this really worked out well. I like this a lot. I like the format, how you set it up. Each of us pick our own five top moments, talk about it, see who's is where, what different moments we have. But i got to ask you something. We've talked about different moments, but off the top of your head, I know we don't have much time left, is there one match from each of you that you can remember from Monday Night Raw that's probably your favorite match you've seen? One match. Top of your head, quickly. Wow, that's a really good question. I don't know if I can, like, think of one match off the top of my head that – you got anything wrong? I, I'll jump in, and I'm pretty sure it was wrong. Probably one of the, the match that immediately jumps to my head was uh, a Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels versus Shelton Benjamin, and that freaking that, that uh, slingshot freaking chin music. Oh my god! <laughs> got it. I have to really think. Of it. Did you have do you have one in mind for you, Dave? That's your top uh, wrestling I'm, match. I'm gonna go with. Rob Van Dam and Eddie Guerrero for the Intercontinental title in a ladder match. And if you remember, there was a fan that ran in the ring and almost pushed Eddie Guerrero off the ladder. And, the, and Eddie Guerrero thought it was stone cold, but it turned out it was a real fan. And they had the cops come in and everything. But a fantastic ladder match. I'm trying to remember now. Like, I, I'm like the, the Eddie Guerrero chair segment with, with Mr. Kennedy, was that a Raw or SmackDown? That was on SmackDown, and that was the that was Eddie Guerrero's final TV appearance before he died. Wow, well, yeah, I thought I thought that was SmackDown. I wasn't sure, but yeah, I, I really had to think about it honestly to uh, think of my favorite match. Um, one doesn't jump out at me though. To be honest with you, one doesn't jump out at me as far as like, yeah, that's it. I, I guess I'm more of a moments guy. Yeah, all I remember is that that springboard from Shelton Benjamin right to Sweet Chin music, and just the crowd pop that. If you if you watch the, the the ringside, people are just stunned. They don't they don't know how Shelton Benjamin was still alive. I remember another moment that jumps out at me when the when the ring collapsed yeah. uh, with uh, that big show and Brock Lesnar. Um, but I have to think about it. Another conversation for another day as we get into our final minute of the show. Thank you all for tuning in tonight as we gave you our top five moments in Monday Night Raw history. Next week as we get you set for. The Royal Rumble. 
will be on 4 to 6, again, 4 to 6 p.m. next Sunday. No football next Sunday, so you got no excuse. Tune in as we give you the most comprehensive pregame show in all the land. Uh, the following week, Super Bowl weekend, we're, we're probably going to do something. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to maybe, maybe football-themed something. I don't know. We'll give you something. We're going to flesh that out. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We'll see you next week. For Dave and Rocky, I am Ken. Good night, everybody.